Hello and welcome to Love Yourself Back to Life. I am your host, Nadia Fleury, and this is episode number 15, My Unshackled Sherpa. You dream of living a successful life, yet you feel emotionally empty. You know something is missing, but you don't know what it is. What if the answer is already within your reach? In each episode, I will help you see life through new lenses, shining a spotlight on your inner world, eliciting awareness and wisdom. My mission is to release what's blocking the flow of your success, to awaken your full potential, and to love yourself back to life. As I mentioned in episode 13, I grew up in the country. In the early 80s, when I was about 14, many things happened all at once. My paternal grandfather passed away, and due to the economic recession mixed with emotional and financial stress, we lost our home. My parents legally separated, and my mom finished up on welfare with no place to stay. Not knowing where to go, my mom, with the help of my dad's brother, Uncle Polo, bought my granddad's tiny two-bedroom house in the village. We made the best with what we had. My three brothers slept in one bedroom. My sister and I shared the other bedroom. The living room got closed off and became my mom's bedroom. The kitchen became the gathering place. Let's just say we lived on top of each other. My uncle Polo was a very successful entrepreneur and his wife, Aunt Giselle, was one of those loving singing angel. It was so nice when I got the chance to visit them. It was a change from my mom's overstressed energy. Every time our aunt saw us, she had a way to make us feel loved and welcome. And when she talked to us, her voice was like a song. It's in my teen years that I consciously chose to model my aunt's loving and nurturing behaviors. From where I stood, my uncle and my aunt had it all, and I wanted to be like them. In seeing how they lived compared to us, I quickly learned the difference between the haves and the have not. At home, when we wanted something that was considered non-essential, the discussion went straight into, we have no money for this, or this is not for us. I grew up with the notion that having money was for the others, not for us. There was this kind of division with the wealthy on one side and the poor on the other. Crossing that line was not even an option. There was no judgment towards wealthy people. We simply assumed we'd never be part of that wealthy circle. I grew up well into my 30s thinking that way until I came across one of Robert Kiyosaki's quote saying that poor people always say they have no money. Rich people, on the other hand, find ways to get more money. Of course, the bigger question was, how can I put more money in my wallet? In my early 40s, I saw a huge difference between my uncle and my dad. I saw my uncle and his family as healthy, loving entrepreneurs. My dad, on the other hand, has made so many poor choices in life, he had very little to offer. The main difference between these two men, it's how my uncle chose to listen to my aunt's wisdom. Another insight I've learned this from Napoleon Hills, however, many wealthy individuals will say the same, 
It's the importance of mentoring and masterminding with same-minded individuals. In April 2016, I got the opportunity to enroll in a mastermind program. I was pretty excited about joining such a group as I was facing so many challenges and needed counseled advice from successful people who understood what it takes to build a world-class brand. On my first mastermind meeting, I asked one of the leaders about my business concerns. He suggested that I connect with Aaron Young, who had more experience with setting up corporation since he owned several companies. Truthfully, I was terrified of connecting with this millionaire. My childhood mindset reminded me of that fine line between the one that have and the one that have not. At that time, I didn't know that my low self-worth was doing all the talking for me. I also did not know that I had a false belief that made me think that I'm only as valuable as the amount of money I have in the bank account. Knowing my bank account was in the minus, I didn't dare reaching out to Aaron. And to justify my lack of action, I've backed up my conscious mind with preconceived ideas such as why would this successful businessman waste his time on me? A month after the mastermind event, I attended CEO Space. On the second night, I was invited to go to a private gathering in a suite. I was very anxious going there because I knew the room was going to be full of wealthy individuals. Pushing myself out of my comfort zone, I went anyway. I knew nobody. The next thing, I'm sitting on a bench designed to sit one, but because of the tight space, this fellow asked me if he could squeeze in. I did not know who he was, but he had a friendly face, so I thought, sure. On that spot, he introduced himself. Hi, I am Aaron Young. I smile and I introduce myself too. I quickly explain I was given his name to talk to and now that it looks like it's going to be the right opportunity to talk. Of course, I didn't tell him the truth that I was too embarrassed to connect with a wealthy man. However, regardless of how I felt a few weeks back, now that he was next to me, I got the chance to ask him the questions I had. He did his best in providing counsel advice. What I quickly realized is that Aaron wasn't at all what I expected. He didn't come across as a big shot guy. Quite the contrary, he was a down-to-earth nice fellow. I learned that he and his wife were married for almost 30 years and they have five children together. We got talking about life in general. At one point, I remember telling him how Hollywood movies likes to portray wealthy individuals as selfish people. My awareness grew that night because I witnessed, for the first time, how upper-class individuals interacted with one another and with me. Everyone was kind, generous, and had a generous interest in wanting to help one another. The next day, Aaron spoke on stage. He formally introduced himself, saying he is the president of Laughlin Associates, a company that forms corporation, LLCs, and as well as doing lawsuit protection, tax planning, exit strategies. The company also does corporate compliance. Then Aaron shared his why. In 2003, he was indicted by the IRS on conspiracy charges. The IRS said, you knew or should have known what this other company was doing. Aaron thought this judgment was so stupid, he went into battle. He spent about two millions and three and a half fighting this 
new or should have known thing and in the end he ran out of money. The IRS has over 99.3% conviction rate. Aaron took the plea bargain and spent 14 months and one week in federal prison. Not for something he did, not for some tax he didn't pay, not for some problem in his company. There was no restitution, there was no fraud, there was no penalty. He just had to go to jail for something he should have known. Aaron's big why has been clear ever since. I cannot let other entrepreneurs not know critical things that they need to know to make sure their business is safe. The day after his presentation, I met him for breakfast and he shared another of his stories. It was before being judged. This was near the end when it looked inevitable that he was going to go to jail. By that time, Aaron didn't know who he could trust. He said, when you fight against the IRS, you do not know who works for you and who works for them. On one day, he met a Canadian lawyer to see if there would be any possible alternative. The fellow saw Aaron and took him aside. He could see that Aaron didn't look well at all. He told Aaron, You feel like there's an iceberg trap in your chest, don't you? Aaron said yes. The fellow understood his pain and added that the pain is real, you know. But just know one thing, that the iceberg will melt one day. I don't know how Aaron knew I needed to hear that story. And I know that when Aaron shared it, his iceberg had already melted. But mine was still there. That night, I went and sat near a water fountain in the backyard of the hotel. I was reflecting on my past six months and all the learnings as well as Aaron's story. Then I thought one of the reasons I'm not getting the results I'm seeking, it's because I'm denying it. Unconsciously, I kept hearing my mom's voice, being rich is not for us. I realized how I spent most of my life hiding and looking for excuses as to why I wasn't successful. However, this was the past. I congratulated myself on being at this hotel at that moment. It meant that I was willing to change and improve. I had made huge progress in getting to know people. All that said though, the climb wasn't over. I was wondering how I could ever be successful with my business. It seemed the path I was on was leading me nowhere. When Aaron was facing his dark hour, he had his wife and children by his side to comfort him. He was also established in the business world and had a network of friends. I had no entrepreneur friends. I felt alone, which made sense as I chose to hide. A thought came, though, to me. No matter who you are, when you are faced with challenges, you cannot trade place with anyone. It doesn't matter if you have a room full of friends sympathizing with you or if you are alone. In the end, you have to face your challenges. On that thought, I closed my eyes and let the tears flow. It was all I could do in that instant. The unbeaten path I chose was getting more challenging than ever. Still with my eyes closed, I asked God for a better tomorrow. At that moment, I received splattered of cold water coming from the fountain. Teary-eyed, I looked up at the sky and said, Yes, the iceberg is now melting. I returned home to face more financial and emotional challenges. I dealt with each situation the best I could at the time. I kept in touch with Aaron via Facebook. 
In October 2017, I saw through Facebook one of Aaron's posting promoting his event called Magnified Your Wealth. My intuition told me I should go. My bank account told me otherwise. So I chose the latter. A few weeks later, I received an email from one of Aaron's employees. She said that she had a ticket to attend the Magnify Your Wealth event and asked me if I wanted to go. I gratefully accepted. At one point during the event, I sat down with Aaron. I gave him an update on where I was with my business. He gave me some business advice, mainly related to sales. Letting go of all my fears, I said, Aaron, I suck at being an entrepreneur. And he felt the pain I was in. And he switched his talk from business strategies to mindset. Sometimes what you need most from a mentor is just the feeling you are understood. From that moment, I thought I wanted to model this man. At the end of the event, in Aaron's last talk, he said the future of this country is in the hands of the small business owners. Yet they are not equipped to scale. Aaron felt compelled to do something about it. He was somewhat struggling with the idea because he prided himself in being unshackled as choosing a lifestyle that gives him freedom to travel. However, during that event, he felt compelled to help more individuals and created a private mentoring mastermind group called the Inner Circle. Hiring Aaron as a mentor wasn't cheap. I thought about it overnight. Then it dawned on me. It's now the time for me to play in the big league. Do I wish to continue with my old programming of doing without? Or should I find a way to work with Aaron? I chose to cross that imaginary line. I invested in Aaron because I know I cannot do this alone. Aaron has become my sounding board. In the past four months, I've been working diligently on my business. However, there are times I wonder if I'm on the right path. And the next thing is I get on a call with Aaron. And for some reason, what he talks about is the confirmation that I'm doing the right thing. Aaron also shared that no matter what we do in life, Selling ourselves is always a challenge. I learned that the wisdom in the selling is that if you are passionate about what you do and believe in what you offer, you are simply having a conversation, like helping someone. When you are in alignment with what you do, you are no longer selling, you are simply sharing. To be an entrepreneur takes courage and being willing to learn how to operate a business. During the development stage, there is only one way to push through. It's to stay put and do the work. Just like an aspiring author needs to write his book before he can enjoy the reward. I have to stay inside and do my work. Staying focused is a constant challenge and it requires discipline to do the work. There is no other way to get around it. In short, I'm glad I've invested in Aaron and his wisdom. It's a huge opportunity for me and my growth because he is my eyes while I cannot see and he is my ears while I cannot hear. I found entrepreneurship is like a 1,000-piece puzzle, except that there is no picture printed on the pieces and there is no box. The image of the puzzle comes with the power of your mind. Sometimes your limited belief prevents you from seeing the full picture. That is when you need help from others who are a little further ahead, who can suggest a new approach. Once you have a clearer image, the next critical step 
is to take action. I was looking at one of Lady Gaga's video the other day. I was amazed at the art behind her work. It takes creative talent as well as strategic action to create a four-minute video. Think for a moment, from writing the song and the music to choosing the scene location, costume design, choreograph, makeup, and that is only a few things. My point here is that there's only one way to success. It's to do the work. However, there's one thing I know for sure. To be successful in business, you need a team. Nobody climbs Mount Everest alone. Aaron, I want to thank you for sharing all your knowledge and wisdom and having faith in me. You are simply my favorite unshackled Sherpa. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. If you have any questions or comments, you can always reach me at this email address, ask at nadiafleury.com.